Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Private Citizen episode 51 for Wednesday, the 13th of January, 2021. The Twitter coup. Hello, everybody. My name is Fab, and I'm coming to you live uh, from the city of Düsseldorf on the Rhine in Germany with another episode of The Private Citizen, the first one for the uh, for the new year. I hope you're all doing well. Um, I hope you all uh, slid into the year well, as we say in Germany. <laughs> and uh, thanks, thanks for being here, and thanks for listening to this. Um, new year? Show, show is almost a year old now. I thought I'll make some changes. But um, hopefully there are changes that, you know, you'll like. That... That... That is the plan. Oh, my name's Fab, by the way. Have I said that? I don't can't remember. I've been doing podcast. You know, I haven't been podcasting for about a month. It's all out of my brain. My name, my name's Fab. Um, I'm your host. And um, yeah, let's uh, let's. Oh, before we start, of course, um, I did, um, I, I did change the website a little bit. Um, as I said, um, as I said, I was going to do. Um, I worked over it uh, over this and um, over over you know over the holidays in December a little bit. Didn't really get it finished. I was really busy. This is also why I'm starting the show basically a week late. Um, I had said I think what, what was it the fifth was originally no the sixth. Okay, that that was the plan uh, to do that, and I, I I didn't quite didn't quite make that. Um, but now, now I'm here, and now the website is well. It's not that new. I changed a little bit. Um, our, the album art has changed, and basically, I want to make it a bit more clearer. This is like a politics news show. Uh, we're still going to do privacy. That is my goal here. And privacy, you know, I've talked about this uh, for the people that haven't haven't listened to too many episodes yet, or maybe new. Maybe this is your first episode. Um, you. Um, you, you haven't heard this, but other people will. Um, for me, privacy is very much a political thing. Um, I don't like this kind of tech news angle of just looking at privacy um, in isolation. I mean, there, there's basically two angles to privacy podcasts. There's the um, the there, there, there's the there's the like tech nerd angle, and then there's some people who are looking at it from that angle and from like a legal perspective. Um, but I don't feel there's enough like holistic. I, you know, I like to look at the tech angle. I like to look at uh, policy. I like to look at legal stuff. And I like to l- look at like the actual politics because I feel like we can talk about how bad something, you know, I don't know, some some law or some website or some web service or some company is all day long if we don't talk about how that happened and what laws are being changed and how we can maybe fix it, then, you know then this is uh, then that's that's basically useless so this is a holistic approach but it also means a lot of politics and if you've been with me for the first 50 episodes uh, throughout 2020 you you have seen how the the focus of the podcast changed obviously the pandemic so i like to call it the panic demic uh, has um, impacted the show a lot like it's impacted everything and it's it's changed it's changed a lot of things and um, the the show has grown with it. I think it is fortuitous that I started the show. You know, when I started the show, I obviously didn't know that that would be a topic, but I started it at exactly the right time. I feel because you know, um, one of the things this pandemic has brought with it is a huge assault on our individual rights as citizens and on our privacy. Uh, and I'm I'm I think this is a very important topic that needs covering. 
Um, and with that little uh, disclaimer out of the way, um, I hope the new website makes it a bit clearer. I hope you like it. I hope it's usable to you. As always, I will say this, but, you know, please contact me uh, with everything. You know, if you listen to the show, you have a different opinion. If you if you want to correct something I've said, if you, if you don't like the website, if you want to change it on the website, you know, I'm not going to promise anything, um, but you can write me. And there's now a new handy contact link right in the header of the website. Uh, and the website is at privatecitizen.press, by the way. Uh, <laughs> so... And with that, let's let's get into it. Uh, let's get into the thing that happened last week, which would have completely collided. I think I would have probably released an episode last week and then the whole capital thing happened. So it's good that I didn't. So we can now talk about the you know what was breaking news then uh, with a you know with a little bit of um, of distance. But yes, we're talking about breaking news. And those breakings, of course, you must have you know must have realized uh, what, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the the uh, march on the Capitol uh, in Washington D.C., uh, which uh, was a uh, relatively uh, spontaneous event. I think uh, people didn't really. I mean, there were pro- protests were planned and stuff beforehand, um, but you know, the whole thing unfolded to everybody's surprise, I think, especially surprise of the media. <laughs> you could see that, like, on live TV. People were like, what the hell's going on? Um, so so there were demonstrations. There, there was a, you know, uh, Donald Trump gave a speech uh, in the um, in the morning, um, uh, you know, before noon, I think, uh, in which he... Um, you know, people have said he, he called for people to basically march uh, and burn on the Capitol. I don't think that is true. He did call for people to march, uh, you know, to Capitol Hill. And um, it's it's very debatable um, what his intentions were. I believe, not because I like Trump, but just from my sense of the, the man, that he did want to incite some, you know, uh, pressure. I would say um, I didn't think he thought people would storm the Capitol, which, you know, what happened was totally not good for him. I feel he might have wanted it. He might have not foreseen how it was going, going, going to go down. But, you know, that's not a discussion I want to have here. That's it's not the focus um, of this episode. I'm, I'm talking about this, of course, because of the reaction that the social media companies had to it afterwards. But at first we need to establish uh, what the hell happened um, and you know to understand why the reaction happened as it did and so this was of course uh, there, there were protests um, and so there, there were Trump supporters clearly Trump supporters wearing Trump hats and you know waving flags marched on the Capitol building and uh, this eventually led to rioters forcing their way into the Capitol and storming the joint session uh, of Congress that was going on uh, to count the electoral votes and basically formalized uh, Joe Biden as next president of the United States. Now, Trump thinks the election was rigged. Um, I talked, we talked about on the show last year 
about the election beforehand. I talked with Mike, uh, my good friend Mike Mullen Jensen. I had him on the show. Um, you know, he has a opposing viewpoint to me, which leads to nice and very long discussions. And we discussed about you know the election, uh, the the uh, you know the possibility of it being having been manipulated before and after the election. Um, I feel, um, I feel that. You know, whatever Trump really believes, I think what he says is is ridiculous. Um, I don't think the uh, election was. I think. I mean, I think it was manipulated in places, um, which basically, as you know, we we are now learning. I mean, I I kind of knew this. Uh, every uh, U.S. election in the last, I don't know, two decades, uh, there's shady shit going on. I don't think it changed the um, the outcome. I think Biden would have won. Um, I, I I thought Trump would win. Obviously, uh, that's that's what I said. Um, I still maintain, you know, that that was what I thought. But obviously, uh, Biden won. He he didn't win by the landslide that everybody else expected. So I think that's that makes it especially likely um, that you know this this result wasn't changed in any way. That there might have been voter fraud there might have been election fraud going on weird things especially with the voting machines i i firmly believe uh from what i've seen that there was shady shit going on but you know this i think the second episode of this podcast ever was on uh god i know i'm gonna i'm gonna have to look that up what episode was that uh we have a all episode list which is an yeah second episode uh electronic voting is a threat to democracy 12th of february 2020 um you know that's that's when i when i basically said this is horrible. They stop, everybody should stop using electronic voting machines. So I know, I, I, I'm pretty sure there was shit going on there, but I don't think it changed the result. Um, Trump obviously thinks so, or he thinks he has to say so. Uh, I completely don't agree with that. Um, but the issue I have is um, that, I mean, he gave a... Um, okay, we're, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the speech he gave I think later when we're going to talk about uh, social network response to this, but you know, basically this has happened. Now it's been called a coup, and you know, I'm doing this, recording this show as, as usual live on Twitch, and people, have, you know, I put coup in the, in the title of the episode, and people already mentioned it because it draws people attention. Um, I found it very extremely ridiculous that people called this a coup. Because, you know, I study politics and uh, a coup by definition, uh, a coup is being short for coup d'etat, which is French. Um, uh, German, in German, we say, we say Staatsstreich uh, or Putsch um, is a, uh, a overthrow of a government. So a, a, a coup by definition has to be undertaken by somebody who is not in power. So Trump can't have a coup uh, while he's president. Now, Obviously, people think, ah, he's not really president anymore. And, you know, obviously, he's not going to be president much longer. That is true. Um, but as long as he is president, he can't have have a coup. Um, or, you know, quickly quoting here from Wikipedia, um, a coup or coup d'etat literally blows the state, also known simply as an overthrow, takeover or putsch. It's the removal of an existing government from power, usually through violent means. So, exactly. Savvy, get it? Existing government, removing of an existing government from power. Existing government. Um, usually through violent means. Typically, it is uh, an illegal, unconstitutional seizure of power by a political faction, the military or a dictator. Usually it's a political faction with the military. Um, you know, usually 
you need the military support, uh, in, especially in countries that have a dominant military, uh, to perpetrate a coup. Now, what I think, what this actually was, um, I, I mean, I think the the term insurrection is a good is a good uh, is a good term, but I think this was actually closer to if you want to, you know, go political science about this, uh, you know, if, if people colleagues in the media want to have a big name for it, it was closer to a revolution um, because a revolution is usually uh, from up below right from the people so as or as wikipedia says in political science a revolution latin revolutio uh, a turnaround is a fundamental and relatively sudden change in political power and political organization which occurs when the population revolts against the government typically due to perceived oppression political social economic or political incompetence um, i think this uh, definition is actually wrong because this uh, this basically um supposes that the actual change has to have take t take place um you know and there's you know the there's you know the revolution in germany uh, in large parts you know after the french revolution there were lots of revolution in the german states lots of them failed uh we still call them we call that the german the, the deutsche revolution um you know um and it's it's so I don't think it has to actually succeed. Um, and then they go on on Wikipedia in book five of the politics, the ancient Greek for politics being the writings or the book. Uh, the ancient Greek philosopher, philosopher Aristotle, 384 to 322 BC, described two types of political revolution. One, a complete change from one constitution to another, or two, modification of an existing revolution. And I kind of feel like that this is, you know, I obviously I don't know what these protesters wanted. I mean, or rioters, or whatever, insurrectionists, whatever you want to call these people, idiots, madmen, weird people in uh, Viking costumes. You know, um, I, I I can't presume, but I I feel like that's what you know they wanted to change an existing constitution, i.e. the way. Uh, the election works i guess because the election was fake um so i think this was a very small and very shitty revolution it also had all the hallmarks of you know of people just gathering and you know and and moving from marching from one place to another and starting to burn down things or, or destroy things or break in things you know that's how the french revolution started you know bastille day uh, usually you get the weapons first that's why they stormed the bastille but i guess in the u.s you don't need that and it's, it's kind of weird that these people, I don't know, they, they weren't carrying weapons, I guess, because it's DC, right? And you can't. I mean, handguns or rifles. I mean, the Viking guy had a fucking spear. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I think it, um, it was a very incompetent revolution. I mean, I, I feel like, I feel, this is sad, but I feel at this point I have to point out and say and, and and publicly state that obviously I don't agree with what these people did, uh, and I uh, <laughs> I find it appalling and abhorrent. Um, it's I think it's a sign of the times that I actually have to say this, uh, but I think every uh, sane people person, you know, especially on a podcast that is concerned with civil liberties, uh, should understand that you know when you go. And actually, in attack and insult your 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 um, your fundamental institutions of your democracy. That is that is a very dangerous thing. Um, 
and I object to um, the liberal left calling everybody these days Nazis. But I think in this case, there is a Nazi um, parallel to be drawn, a, 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 as in a actual NSDAP, you know, uh, National Socialist Party parallel. You know, they had like these thugs and, you know, they would go and have rallies and, you know, uh, attack uh institutions and stuff like that so i i feel like that is actually a val a valid conclusion that can be drawn here except these people i mean you can you can see what you can see a lot about what happened there if you're really interested c-span which is you know this television channel in the u.s that shows everything that happens uh, in senate uh, or in the house and they have cameras everywhere. And they had cameras on during this whole thing. There's like hours of footage of the people outside. You can see how many people there were, what they were doing. Uh, you can see that a lot of them weren't violent and weren't taking part in violent stuff. And then you can see a, uh, a subset of the of those people forcing their way into the uh, Capitol building. And then you see what's going on inside. There's cameras inside. You can see, You can look this all up. You know, which is part of the ethos um, of this podcast. Uh, you know, enabling you uh, to. I, I, I mean, I, I try to reinforce uh, in the listeners and producers of the show uh, the understanding that you should you should think for yourself and look these things up, and that it isn't hard. Um, and so you can you can you can look. And I've spent actually quite some time uh, looking at this footage and looking at what kind of people those people seem to be. Uh, but anyway, obviously, I completely uh, disagree and uh, with with what they did, what they tried to do. Um, I just find the characterization in ma in mainstream media uh, was sorely lacking. Um, I mean, you can't. I mean, if, I mean, how can you like people on CNN and you know and PBS and whatever like these people, CNBC, these are these you know. I, I watched some of that coverage, and these people are idiots. I mean, I don't know. I guess there's no other way to say this. How can you be a journalist for a major TV network and not know what a coup is? And when you see people that are supporting the sitting president and are waving flags of the country and the government, the institution that is currently in office, that is not a coup, right? Um, and then you, you call them like, like neo-Nazis. You're like... No, um, <laughs> it's just that that's not how it works. I mean, these were madmen, right? This is people in with, I mean, really weird stuff. Not only the Viking guy, like people with Kakistan flags, and, you know, like paper, the frog masks and, you know, weird, I don't know, millennials, I guess. <laughs> and then they did like weird shit. Like that one guy who's like stormed Pelosi's office and was like just sitting on the desk and having photographs taken. You're like, I mean, they're gonna they're gonna arrest you, right? You know this, right? Your face is on national news. Also, why are you not filing? Why are you on Pelosi's desk? Why are you not going through the fucking files? There's gotta be amazing stuff in there. Um, but yeah, no, I'm not condoning what these people did. But it's just, like even as far as like illegal shit goes, it's completely not understandable. It was just like completely weird. Now, um, let's um, get over to the thing we actually want to talk about. So we've, we've established what's going on. We established that I'm not a fan of uh, what happened there. <laughs> um, 
let's let let's talk about um, how how the social media companies and Silicon Valley basically responded to this. Which is, you know, the, the, the interesting thing because this is where it, where it starts to intersect privacy. So this was going on. While this was going on, um, Twitter, who for a long time has uh, fought against having to ban Trump. People have been calling for that for ages. I always thought it was a stupid idea. Um, but they made Trump delete a number of tweets and then later uh, suspended his account for 12 hours and then later completely deleted his account, which you must have known, which is major, major news. Um, now, um, interestingly, Twitter said they they deleted like they did took these measures uh because it, tweets that trump posted um were calling or inciting or promoting violence and i cannot find where this happened and you can read that everywhere In new york times washington post it was on tv everywhere the verge everybody just took this narrative and ran with it now I can underst can't understand that because it took me um so especially he when so when this was going on Trump recorded or like his team recorded a video message and posted it on Twitter and that's one of the tweets that have been deleted and people are saying oh he you know journalists are saying he incited further violence now it took me less than a minute to find this video I mean the next day you know middle of next day when it was long deleted his, his account was locked took me less than a minute to find it um and it's about a minute long this whole speech is about a minute long and i cannot understand how people i mean okay let's let's put it this way anything somebody says i mean this is basic communication theory basically anything somebody says you can interpret in various ways Right, so I can I can now say, um, my God, don't fucking go to the Reichstag and and start protesting, right? And and I could mean that and be as earnest as 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 as, as the days long, right? And people can still understand that at as Fab is being sarcastic and he has just called, you know, to storm the Reichstag. Which anybody who knew me know that I would never do that. Like that, this is as far from what I would say ever. But it can be understood that way. Um, you know, people who don't like me might construe it that way. And I think this happened here with Trump, um, which I understand if it's just like some guy on the internet doing that. But if you're a journalist, um, I mean, I'm not saying take everything the politician says at face value, but you, the first step. Like even if we're you know this is new age journalism we are we are get, we're doing away with the you know everything has to be um, objective and all of that everybody's biased which is something I just subscribe to but that is not an excuse to first report what has actually happened the first thing you need to do is to report what he actually said and then you can say I think he meant the complete opposite and and explain why. But the first thing you need to do is you need to report what he said. And that's what people didn't do. So I'm going to play for you the speech. 
or this video, I mean the audio of the video, um, because it's it's a minute long, right? And we can just listen to it. And you li listen to it. And, and what I want you to do is, you know, listen to it and, you know, form your own opinion. Um, if you if you heard it before, I apologize. Um, but do it again. L listen to it. Um, pay attention and try to divorce yourself. If you hate Trump or if you don't like him, try to divorce yourself from your um, animosity of him and just... You know, pretend you're a journalist and you're researching this, or you whatever. You, you know, you're you're trying to you're trying to get to the truth here, right? Um, the first thing you need to do is just just listen to what he actually said. So, shall we have a shall we have a try? Let's let, let's have a try. So this is what Trump posted to Twitter uh, in a video message. I know your pain. I know you're hurt. We had an election that was stolen from us. It was a landslide election, and everyone knows it, especially the other side. But you have to go home now. We have to have peace. We have to have law and order. We have to respect our great people in law and order. We don't want anybody hurt. It's a very tough period of time. There's never been a time like this where such a thing happened, where they could take it away from all of us from me, from you, from our country. This was a fraudulent election. But we can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace. So go home. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. I know how you feel. But go home and go home in peace. So... Not looking at what he said about the election, which I think is bullshit, um, but it's still an opinion. I think that is saying that is within his rights. That is his opinion. Freedom of speech. He can say that as the president as of the U.S. as just as any other man. Take leaving that aside. He literally said, "Go home. Go home in peace." He did say. Respect law and order, which is, I think, uh, he sees himself as the law and order president. I think that's genuine. I mean, you can you can say that was sarcastic and he was doing like reverse psychology or signaling or dog whistling or whatever it's called. The ex exact opposite. And that is a valid opinion you can have. Um, but if you're a journalist and you're reporting on this, you first have to report on what he actually said. I mean, you can do, as the New York Times did, point out that he praised the people. I think that was actually him in a really ham-fisted way, trying psychology and trying to tell, the, oh, I like you, but please go home now. You're kind of hurting my, my cause here. What you're doing is not helping me. I think that's what he actually, you know, that was what he was thinking, but we don't know. Um, so I have no idea why journalists don't do that. I mean, that's a minute, right? Journalists, it took me two minutes a minute of finding the video and a minute of listening to it. That's all the research you need to do to have that down. Even in a newsroom where your editor is shouting at your neck, you can do that. I don't understand why people, why they don't do that. You have to point that out. You have to point out that Twitter made him delete this video, which on, on the face of it, I take it as a, uh, as a try to calm people down. Um, 
They made him delete this video and then said it inside the violence. How that how that speech can be construed as inciting violence, I have no idea. Um, on the uh, Discord, we have a live uh, live live opinion here from Discord. Real Funky Duck says uh, they waved Confederate flags more than U.S. ones. I was talking about how they were wa- waving uh, U.S. flags. I can't. Uh, that's not what I saw. Um, I, I watched quite a. F- if you also footage on C-SPAN, there were Confederate flags there. Um, there were a lot more U.S. flags. All the all the photos on all the headlines and all the newspapers all have U.S. flags. Um, they're very prominent. So uh, it's 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 not what what I saw. Um, also, I mean, this is the U.S. Uh, you are f- it's not Germany. You're free to wave a Confederate flag. Um, you know, we can have a discussion if that's if, that, if that's bad or not. Uh, I mean, they would have been free to wave a Nazi flag around. Uh, obviously, as a German, I don't think we have to have a discussion <laughs> to understand what I think about that, which, you know, that would be legal in Germany. But, you know, I don't think that. Um, it's just not it's not what I saw. But, you know, we can, we can differ, differ on that. Um now, interestingly, so I, I didn't find any tweets uh, there on the day, on the days before of, tre- of Trump inciting violence. It is true that he gave a speech at, in the morning where he said, you know, let's walk to the Capitol. And the, I agree with people that that could be construed as let's attack the Capitol. Um, I don't think that was the intention, but fair, fair enough. But that wasn't posted on Twitter. <laughs> That's a funny thing. That wasn't even posted on Twitter. Um it is um it is interesting so green turtle uh yeah this this is the uh, this is the upside of this recording this live we can actually have a discourse with some of the people listening uh green turtle 69 says um so him sticking to the stolen election was inciting i i don't understand that is not a that is not a valid argument i mean you can have you can make that argument but that's not inciting to violence saying that the election was stolen that's a you know it was a conspiracy theory at 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 or at best, or it was. It's, it's it's an opinion. It's a controversial opinion. It's pro- it's probably wrong. Well, it it is wrong. Um, he's not been able to prove that in court. That is not inciting to violence. You know, saying move to Washington, burn down the Capitol. That's inciting violence. But you know, I mean, I've I did a whole episode on this. Uh, I I knew this would come up at some point. This is why I did that episode. Oh God, now I have to look that up. Uh, which episode was that? Um. Uh, relatively recent, I think, yeah, episode 46 in November, Fighting Hate Speech versus Fighting Free Speech, where I discuss that, where I discuss exactly this problem. This is the hate speech problem. This is hate isn't defined. Inciting violence isn't defined. Uh, We have have quite uh, strict laws against inciting violence, you know, in, in... uh, in Germany now, and and it it is a very interesting discussion when these things uh, get actually um, when there's there's lawsuits about this and there's there's very uh, very esoteric I would even say discussions that I'm having had between like lawyers and you know and 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 judges having very different interpretations of what violence or incitement to violence actually actually is. So, um, but yeah, let's let's leave it there. Um, I just feel it. That was wasn't justified. I, I think Twitter was looking for an excuse to do this for a long time. That's what I think. Um, other world leaders have predictably uh, condemned 
what what Twitter did. Uh, I mean, in the in the vanguard of that was uh, German Ch Chancellor Angela Merkel, uh, who has uh, criticized Twitter. Um, so I'm quoting here from what what. What is this again? Uh, from the Financial Times. Angela Merkel, a German chancellor, has sharply criticized Twitter's decision to ban US President Donald Trump, calling it a, quote, problematic, unquote, breach of the, quote, fundamental right of to free speech, end quote. Merkel said through her spokesman that the US government should follow Germany's lead in adopting laws that restrict online incitement rather than leaving it up to platforms such as Twitter and Facebook to make up their own rules. Now, as you know from that episode I just mentioned, I don't agree with that sentiment that, you know, that we should have, well, we should have laws, but, you know, I don't agree with the laws they are making. Uh, but I completely agree with Merkel, and I don't say this lightly. I, I have, you know, the, she's been in power, what, like 18 years now? I don't know. I've, I've never voted for her. I don't like her. Uh, I've, ne I've never said this. I very, very seldomly said this. I agree with Merkel on this. Um, this is, when we're talking insurrection and you know what is incitement to violence and what is a threat to democracy it is not the place of a well public company in the case of twitter but let's call it a company you know a private concern a private company to decide this kind of thing um and yes i know there's the argument there's two arguments that whenever i said this uh, get get thrown at me um First is it's a it's a private company that can do on their platform whatever they want, and the second is it wasn't his it, it wasn't the POTUS account it was his personal account. Now let's 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 attack the second one first because that's easy. Uh, that's bullshit. Uh, courts all over the world have ruled very clearly that you know if you have a private account and you put. Oh, not the views of my employer, and then you say things that sound like they're the you know they you say that as an employer, employer of the company. Then you know if they fire you, they're well within their right. Uh, putting a disclaimer there that you know this is my personal opinion, that that doesn't hold up in court. Just ask Elon Musk, right? Elon Musk has a personal account on on Twitter. He got severely penalized by the SEC. Didn't he just didn't he get dropped off the board of Tesla because of th private things he posted in his free time on his private Twitter account about his company? So no, um, the and especially the the position of United presence of the United States cannot be um, separated from the person and the people calling for this or have who have called for this for four years now have never separated this per, you know the actually i read in news stories that um they you know oh they just banned uh his his personal account not the potus account right and that that is different because it's not the, the office blah 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 these same outlets for four years have been quoting his personal account as the president of the united states just said this on twitter and then the links are now all broken because they all are just a fucking embedded trees and the account's now gone. So no, this this does not fly. Uh, the other argument is actually much more interesting. Um, you know, has a private company the right to do what they what they want on their platform? Um, generally, of course, yes. I mean, you're not free. You're free to not use Twitter. I completely agree with that. But that is an oversimplification uh, because if people say that, they don't understand what how important twitter has become 
Twitter is the number one news source for everybody. I mean, for everybody. People are not on Twitter. People are too old. People are watch TV. Where do you think the journalists get their news from? Where do you think they get, you know, they get everything off Twitter? They might not quote Twitter. It's a well-known thing where it's like there's lots of publications. I mean, I even had that as a freelance, as a tech journalist, where like a tech publication is like, okay, somebody just said this on Twitter. Can you write about this? But don't mention Twitter. We did our own research on this. And you're like, everybody knows we get, well, not everybody knows apparently, but, you know, if you if you know what what's going on every that's you know and and facebook which later also banned trump because they have major twitter envy um they want to be twitter but the facebook has a problem that facebook when it started was was uh, private by default so uh, posts on Facebook weren't accessible and seeable by the wider world they later changed that but because they realized that twitter's big thing so twitter is is monumental because of two reasons and I've been, you know, I've been microblogging since the dawn of time. So I've been interested in this shit. I've been watching this a long time. Twitter is interesting for two reasons. It's, it's public by default and it's very short messages. And that leads people to just, you know, post news and things that might be interesting. And because it's public by default, it is eminently and always quotable by journalists. Right? If you get something out of Facebook, you have to make sure, was this a private group? Do I even have the permission to, to write about this or to post a screenshot of this? On Twitter, it's fair game. Everything that's on Twitter is fair game because the people who are posting it are doing so with the understanding that it's going to be public. So you can use it in the press. Okay, if you use photos, you have to ask for their rights. I understand that, right. But, you know, if it's news, you can use it. That's why Twitter is, it's, I mean, Twitter is the number one communication platform for the current president of the United States. Well, not anymore, but it was, right? I mean, yes, he gave press conference, but who, who watches that shit? 90% of the, of the stuff Trump did as PR that ended up in the, in the press came from Twitter. You know, I mean, yes, they need speeches for the soundbites and everything, but you know that 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 is just the the fact, and people need to realize that Twitter is not just a company anymore. Twitter is an enormously uh, influential tool to form public opinion, and the same people who are denying this now because ah, oh, you're a private company, they were the ones that said that the 2016 election was hugely manipulated over Facebook and Twitter with all these, whoo, these magic Twitter bots, right? So they were saying this a few years ago and now it's not true anymore. I don't, I don't, I don't get this. Um, the, so, so Twitter is really, really important as, as a, as a medium, it's still a platform from a private company. I, I completely understand that, um, but it, it is a special case. And the president of the United States is a, is a is a special case. I mean, what what you have to realize is, if you leave all this partisan bickering and the fact that yes, they stormed the Capitol and somebody shit on the floor, right? But you know, the British <laughs> burnt the whole thing down a few years ago, uh, a few hundred years ago, but. From a historian's perspective, it was yesterday, you know. So, so I mean, the the, the, the United States, uh, the the democracy in the United States was born in fire, and it survived a lot of fire, and it'll it'll survive this. 
if you if you I don't think actually that all of that is the, isn't the newsworthy thing and the important thing that happened. I mean, I'm colored by my perspective as a, as a tech journalist and as a nerd, but I think the 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 monumental thing that happened last week was that a private company killed the main communication channel and the main public relations channel of the president and of the government of the United States of America. And this is why you see Merkel and you know the, the Mexican president and people all over the world saying this is this is a problem. The, you know, I, I mean, I wrote on Substack on my newsletter about this. Uh, Fab.substack.com, by the way, or you can just go to Fab.industries. It's on there. Um, and people were shouting at me, Fab, you are, you know, how can you be? How can you be on Trump's side? How can you say this? And then it's like, and Angela Angela Merkel says the same thing. It's like the the one. One time in my life, Angela Merkel actually and me actually agree on something. <laughs> uh, um, so it's kind of that. That's the important thing that happened. This is a huge power grab by Silicon Valley. This is basically them um, exercising this power that I think they wanted for a long time because it's no secret that I mean Facebook, Twitter, Amazon, all these companies. Um, are opposed to Trump. They're openly opposed to Trump. They, they, you know, they, they. It's public how much money they gave to the Democrats um, and to Biden's campaign. Um, so, which is, you know, they're right. That's completely their right. But I think they they wanted to do this because of that, because of political reason. And I think what people need to understand is they need to divorce themselves from the partisan issue here. What you need to do is you need to understand that this is establishing a world and a a situation that we'll have to deal with from now on. So next time, they're going to come for your president or your institution. Of course, you know, it's kind of that that sells kind of hard because it's not going to happen to Biden. We all know that, Uh, you know, he's for obvious reasons. He's he's close with these people, Uh, but it's going to happen at some point. At some point, a, a Republican is going to run some of these companies, and at some point, they, you know, it, it might switch. And at some point, they're they're killing, uh, they, they're gonna they're gonna kill some Democrats' president's account or something. And a, a private company should not have that power. I feel. Um, and you're like, oh, it's their platform. Yes, but the president of the United States, he makes the laws. Well, not anymore, but you know. Um, that, that you could just make a law that you could could not kick the president of any social media platform. Bam, done. Um, you know, I, I mean, it's it's kind of hard to imagine, like, if you're, like, a, a, a progressive, liberal, uh, left-leaning person, what could happen. But you could think that at some point, you so, so one scenario that I kind of I kind of c- could imagine uh, would be that in 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 a few years. Um, when there's a big focus on uh, environmental uh, protection and you know um, saving energy, and when we realize that uh, you know it's renewable power is is nice and well, but maybe we just want to conserve power as well. I mean, you could see a situation where Silicon Valley could get in trouble <laughs> because they have server farms to the horizon. They use a lot, a lot of energy, and you could you could see a, a point where you know a Democrat government would go uh well we need to tighten the screws here on silicon valley 
um, and and then Silicon Valley goes, oh, we don't we don't like that, you know, and we'll start just start ghosting your stuff and disappearing you that opinion from social media and just pretend the public is on our side. I mean, this is something you know, this is something like that. So, but basically, what 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 happened here um, is that. What what I see, I, I I see in in this whole debacle uh, on Twitter on Facebook, um, I see a huge violation of Section two thirty of the Communications Decency Act, which I think we talked about before this on the show. This is something I always knew also as safe harbor. Um, basically, it is a um, a protection that uh, people who run content platforms. So that might be you or me with our Discord server or our forum um, or Twitter that run content pu- platforms that publish content from third parties. Um, and this law says that, you know, obviously it's only in the US, but as we know, the US sets the tone for this kind of thing, especially in technology for the whole world. Um, this kind of, um, this this means that if you do that and if you just let people write their stuff without checking it, without editorializing, without deleting stuff that, you know, think is, I mean, the, the exception of this is illegal things, right? The exception from this is actually criminal things. You need to delete those. But also, you know, that's not only deleting. You also need to, you know, report them to the police. You can't just delete them. So there, there's already... You know, there's a, there's another process there and a definition. But leaving that aside, um, as long as you don't editorialize, you don't you don't check b- before you put it online, you cannot be sued. Um, and we're talking civil, so this is civil cases here. You know, we're, we're not talking anything illegal, criminal cases. You cannot be sued by people for, let's say, slander. So let's say I run a forum, uh, and somebody somebody on the forum posts the post and says Bill Gates is a fucking asshole and he's dangerous to humanity. Bill Gates can't sue me because I've complied to Section 230 uh, of the Communications Decency Act. Bill Gates can go and, I mean, he can probably get me to tell him if I know who that user is and then he can go sue that user. But he cannot sue me. Um and that is very important and that's very that is there's a critical difference between twitter and and you know the new york times if the new york times writes something there's somebody editorially responsible and you can sue them for slander or you know whatever um if it ruins if they write an article and it ruins your company and you have billions and billions of losses and you think they didn't do their due diligence and did good reporting, you can sue them and you might win and they will have to pay. Um, a good example, I mean, we have similar laws like this in Germany with new newspapers. A uh, similar example in Germany is uh, Jörg Kachelmann, a famous weather uh, guy on TV who um, was um, being... Uh, so the, the, there was a court case. Uh, he was alleged to have raped or at least attacked his then girlfriend, I think. And um, so a German newspaper built a big tabloid, did stories and stories, basically ruined him. He, you know, obviously can't have a job as, an, as a weather guy on TV when you've just 
been alleged to have raped somebody and you're just now in criminal court um so uh but he got um he got cleared of all charges and then he went to build and sued them and said you know you didn't do the due diligence you just said things that weren't true and he won and he got a lot of money and you can't do that to twitter Right? You can't go, Fab said something, I'm going to, on Twitter, I'm going to sue you. But this whole thing, this whole section 230 hinges on the fact that you're not editorializing. At the point where you go and you say, oh, we, we are, we're putting a message over this tweet because he's lying um, or we de- we are, we're deleting his account, right? I mean, and it's it's obvious that Twitter... Is editorial and it's obvious that their rules are not fair, right? So they Donald Trump posts something, and they put, "Oh, this might not be right," because of course it's propaganda, right? Angela Merkel, her government posts something that is not that's not true, that's been debunked in the press. She doesn't get a notice, you know. Some organizations that you know, I don't know, uh, promote homeo homeo homeopathy. Right, you can't. There, there's no banner over that saying. There's no scientific evidence that this stuff works. It's it's not fair, um, and it's not, and it's editorializing, and and I think I'm, I don't, I don't say this very. I mean, I mean, I've agreed with Trump more than Angela Merkel, I think, but I don't say this lightly either. I agree with Trump, and he was attacking um, Silicon Valley companies. Uh, for months uh, before this, uh, that he thinks that they should get that this this protection under Section 230 should be revoked, and that's dangerous, of course, as well because you don't want completely revoke it because then everybody who runs a forum like basically opens is open to like lawsuits and then you won't run forums anymore. Um, but I think for big companies like that who are basically they've they've cornered the market, they're basically monopolies, um, you know, de facto mon- monopolies. I think he's right. I mean, the Twitter, um, if you look at it, is about as influential on the political opinion of the country as the New York Times. Probably more. Because the New York Times gets half its stories from stuff po- no, posted on Twitter. And it's no secret because they fucking embed the fucking tweets. <laughs> um, so, so, so why can the Times be sued for slander? But Twitter, I, I think... I think he had a point there. Um, I don't think it's obviously not the same because obviously they can't um, editorialize everything that gets posted on Twitter. Duh. Um, but I think there should be some responsibility. I think if they want to decide, if Twitter as a company wants to take on the burden of having to decide what government can post what on Twitter, then they'll have to be questions. There have to be rules about this laws. Like th- this has to be regulated, um, right? So why why can the Saudi government post things on Twitter that you know I personally would think are a lot more um, not in line with Twitter's terms of service or democratic values than what Trump posts? Um, you know, like where there has there have there have to be rules about this. Um, which I find sad because I don't want um, 
I don't want government oversight generally. Uh, I don't think I don't think governments generally make a mess of this. But I mean, we can't leave it up to these companies um, because I mean they're just gonna. I mean, one of the things that happened very shortly after Trump got banned. I don't, you know, I don't. If it's connected, who knows? You know, correlations not causation, but still, um, they banned uh, the account of SciHub. Um, which up to that point uh, had 185,000 followers and was running for nine years. Um, or as I think this from Torrent Freak, yeah, as Torrent Freak writes, Sci-Hub founder Alexandra Elbakian informed us that Twitter has suspended the site's official account, which had over 185k followers and operated without notable issues for nine years. Elbakian believes that it may be directly related to the legal action in India. Quote, it happened right after Indian scientists revolted against Elsevier and other academic publishers after Sihab posted on Twitter about the danger of being blocked. Thousands of people spoke up against this on Twitter. And in case you don't live with a scientist like me, or you're not a journalist uh, like me, and you have no, I- no fucking idea what Sihab is, so um, a very quick uh, discourse into how science works. If you're a scientist, we're, we're talking mostly, you know, Uh, natural sciences here you know biology physics stuff like that um if you uh do medicine if you do research you you want to publish that and you want you know it's it has to be peer-reviewed and you want many of your peers to read it so you go to a scientific journal and there are huge companies uh with billions and billions of dollars each in revenue you know elsevier is one uh wiley uh is one uh that specialize in this they run these journals and uh, now the kicker, as a scientist, you pay generally, you pay this journal to have your research, your work published, right? Well, you 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 ask them, can I please publish this? Then they look it over. And if they think it's good enough, then you get the privilege of paying them. And then you still have to have a subscription to, um, to uh, read the stuff. Because as a scientist, you know, uh, what you do, uh, this is how peer review works, how the whole process works. Uh, if you research, uh, I don't know, let's say I'm a tapeworm researcher and my thing is tapeworms and I'm writing about tapeworms. If I have, if I think I've discovered something new, I did an experiment, I discovered something new about tapeworms. What I need to do is I need to read all the literature there is, all the current literature there is about tapeworms to figure out if somebody else has found this somewhere over the world because it happens all the time. It might just be somebody discovered this last year. And then I look like an idiot. So I have to read it. So I have to, re- I have to subscribe to the, uh, you know, the weekly tapeworm, the uh, International Journal of Tapeworm Scientists. I'm making these up. Um, <laughs> but you, you get my point, right? I need to read all these papers. So the way this works, these, these, these subscriptions to these publications, look up what an Elsevier subscription costs. I don't even think they tell you. It's, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, they make these bullions from somewhere, and um, it's it's really expensive. So so you can't afford that. Um, so as a as a scientist, you're usually part you're part of a university hospital or you're part of a university, and the university has a subscription. So in Germany, this is, this is even more of a gut punch. I pay for that. Because in Germany, most almost all universities are public universities. Edu- education is paid for by the taxpayer. So I'm paying for that. So um, my wife, who's a scientist, when she was at university, um, she, she was employed there, right? And, you know, she okay, she got some money off grants and from 
you know, companies and, you know, you, there's all these kind of third third party grants and all that kind of stuff. But generally, you know, I, I basically paid her salary. Everybody did in Germany. It's, it comes from tax money. And then if she wants to publish something that she's done, she gets money from the university to pay the journal. So that comes from the taxpayer. And then if she wants to read her own work, she uses the subscription that the university has for the publisher, which I paid for as a taxpayer. And the, the kicker is that these universities aren't even allowed to share these subscriptions. So every fucking public university in Germany is subscribed to every fucking journal. So I pay for this all over again. I have to pay for the science that is being done. I have to pay for that to be published. And then I have to pay to read it or for the scientists to read it. And if I then, as somebody who's as a taxpayer, paid for all of this once to read it, I also need a subscription. So what you do, you go to SIAP. SIAP is kind of like the Pirate Bay for scientific papers. They basically get all the papers that are published everywhere from somebody, chuck it in a database somewhere in, the, I don't know, the Philippines or something. And uh, and you can just go there and Google it and download it. You put in, like, you, you go to, you know, say you, you go to PubMed, you know what the paper is, uh, you get, like, a reference from PubMed, you put that into uh, SIAP and you get the paper, Right which I do as a journalist because I often uh, did stories on papers, which uh, I had to read to do the story. But obviously the place I work for now I'm freelance. I don't can't pay that. It's like <laughs> the subscription for, for one of these papers is more than I make in a year, I think. Um, and <laughs> so, you know, I can't, you know, the, the publisher I work for, they obviously can't pay for this. So what do you do? You go to sign up, you get the paper. It's uh, basically open access. It's, so it's illegal. Every, every, all of this is illegal. Um, I mean, they can't really, they, they, I mean, I don't know where, but it, as, as far as I know, in the US, in Germany, in the UK, they, they, they can't really go after you for downloading the paper, reading it. Uh, but, you know, if, you, if you'd send one to them to put it up, that would be, uh, that would be, that would probably be very, very bad. Um, but I know scientists who do this, right? So they often, the subscription, you can only access from the university net, but then people work from home, right? Especially right now. And then sometimes you can't, like the, the VPN doesn't work and like there's lots of, there's bureaucracies in universities and these hospitals and shit. And often, it, uh, often it's easier to just go to up and quickly get the fucking paper instead of just going on your bike and get to university and, you know, loading it there or getting their IT to actually get the fucking VPN to work or, or email somebody who is currently in the university. You just go to up right? I, knew, I know scientists personally who... Um, even like they published in a paper who their university doesn't have a subscription to. They had to go to up to read their own fucking, well, they know their paper, to see what it looked like in the fucking journal and to go to up. So this is a very important uh, website. It keeps um, it keeps science running all over the world, literally. Um, it is, uh, it's hugely important in uh, third world countries, uh, you know, countries where maybe they can't, even afford these subscriptions, even though they make them usually more cheaper over there. But you know, and this is this is the case uh, after this uh, discourse. This is where we actually came from. Um, this is what Elbekian is, is talking about because in India currently, I mean, there's always these court cases. The publishers always sue Sayab in the country, and then they shut the service down and they have to block it. Uh, happened in Germany a few times, I think. Um, but this court case in India is very interesting. Because the Indian government has just said, yeah, it's illegal. As far as I understand it, they said, yeah, this is probably illegal. But maybe um, 
we're just going to have a, an exception because it seems this is really important. Uh, so they did like this call for voices from a scientific community where they said, tell us about this, about subscriptions, about Sci-Hub. And then so the, the, the assumption is that if people say we need this because our university can't pay the subscription fees because they're way too expensive um, because they're priced for the US market and we're in India, um, we kind of need this. Then the Indian government could just go, yeah, this is illegal, but basically you're allowed to do this. Kind of like, you know, in the, there's in the US, there's this like national... That's the national. There's this library exception, right? Where you can basically you're not allowed to copy a book, right, and to distribute it. But like you're allowed, libraries are allowed to do that. And there's a thing in Germany where, um, in Germany, for schools and teachers, if they're in the process of teaching, it it would be actionable and illegal to copy a book and distribute it to the teachers. But there's like this thing where like the government basically says. In education, if this only for educational purposes, nobody can sue you for this, even though it's illegal. Um, so it looks like the Indian government wanted to do something like this, at which point lots of people on Twitter, Indian scientists, were like, yeah, this is, we need Sci-Up because otherwise we can't do our work. And the Sci-Up account, which has a lot of followers, um, was retweeting this and then they got shut down. And... Um, Thank you, Mike, a friend of the show, Mike Mullen Jensen, we talked about him earlier, uh, has just resubscribed on Twitch and 24 months. So he's been here two years. Didn't even know this, this channel existed for two years. So that is pretty amazing. Thank you, Mike. So we've got live support happening off the show here, which is great. I, I love that. Anyway, so that Sci-Hub is... Uh, was was also banned. So there you can see this is this is what happens. It's not only it, it's not only going down on Donald Trump. It's going down on you know there's publishers, there's advertisers, there are advertisers probably on Twitter, and they went like you have to take this fucking account down, otherwise we're we're not advertising them. I and this is the problem. This is why I don't have advertisers on the show. Now, um, another thing that happened um, is that. Um, Basically, these companies, they're not only happy with extending, you know, their kind of power over what, you know, the political discourse is and what people think, basically. They obviously also don't want to lose that. They want to stay um, stay where they are, right? And um, because, you know... Because they want to do that, they don't want any other small upstart companies coming and maybe replacing them because they're less restrictive. And this is what happened to Parler. Now, Parler, I knew what uh, Parler was. I never had an account. Uh, I never was really interested. Um, but Parler is, uh, was an American, uh, founded in the US, uh, microblogging or you know social network, kind of like Twitter, uh, built itself kind of like Twitter for free speech. And I think it's called, according to the internet, it's 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 pronounced parler. Uh, somebody who did French in school, I always want to call it parler. <laughs> but since it's Americans, we're parler. I think it's from Nevada. Sorry, parler. Parler. Parler, partner. Um, and they got... Um, they, they got... They got completely blasted off the internet. Um which is an interesting uh, story. But I have to, uh, breaking news here, breaking news, I have to interrupt the show 
because we have live news from the chat <laughs> where Mike <laughs> Mike is uh, proposing uh, he says we have a lot uh, I mean I, I talked about earlier on the show that we did like these two episodes on the on the election and everything and we have a lot to c catch up on um, he says why why don't we do an episode next Wednesday on inauguration day I didn't know it was inauguration day next Wednesday so let's do that Mike you're, you're on the hook you're on the hook <gasps> <laughs> Yeah, Mike, I've got sound effects now. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and they're licensed. So, if they're licensed sound effects, this 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 podcast is going places. Uh, but let's let, let's do that next week. Uh, you're on the hook now. This this sounds good. Well, if it, if something, you know, we'll, we'll we'll see. I'll I'll try to make I'll try I'll try my best to make that happen. Um, but let's let's quickly talk about parlor and what happened there um so i'm going to read a little bit from uh glenn greenwald which who i really like uh, who did a post on this on a sub stack um who i think he pretty much nails it so i can just read it and it's a bit easier for my brain um so he says critics of silicon valley censorship for years heard the same refrain tech platforms like facebook google and twitter are private corporations that can host or ban whoever they want if you don't like what they are doing The solution is not to complain or to regulate them. Instead, go create your own social media platform that operates the way you think it should. The founders of Parler, Parler heard that suggestion and tried. In August 2018, they created a social media platform similar to Twitter, but which promised far greater privacy protections, including a refusal to aggregate user data in order to mon monetize them to advertisers or, or algorithmically evaluate their interests in order to promote content or products to them. They all... Which, you know, that sounds, that sounds reasonable. Um, they also pr promised far greater free speech rights, rejecting the increasingly repressive content policing of Silicon Valley giants. It's obviously uh, Greenwald's uh, opinion here, uh, which I kind of agree with, but it's an opinion. Over the last year, Parler encountered immense success. Millions of people who objected to increasing repression of speech on the largest platforms who had or who had themselves been banned, signed up for the new social media company. But today, if you want to download, sign up, or use Parler, you will be unable to do so. That is because three Silicon Valley monopolies, Amazon, Google, and Apple, abruptly united to remove Parler from the internet, exactly at the moment when it became the most downloaded app in the country. If one were looking for evidence to demonstrate that these tech behemoths are in fact monopolies that engage in anti-competitive behavior in violation of antitrust laws and will obliterate any attempt to compete with them in the marketplace, it would be difficult to imagine anything more compelling than how they just used their unconstrained power to utterly destroy a rising competitor. Now he says they're a monopoly. He actually in that post, a longer post, uh, link obviously in show notes, private citizen press. Uh, go there, check it out. Um, if you want his um, his argument for why they are monopolies, they're not really monopolies, but ba basically de facto monopolies, and I kind of agree with him. Um, and um, <laughs> it's <laughs> I see a Mike already has an opinion. Parler was made by the same people behind Cambridge Analytica, so we'll have something to discuss next week, Mike. <laughs> Um, but so basically what happened is Apple pulled it off the app store, Google pulled it off the Android store and, uh, okay. Then it was still a website, but then AWS went, nah, you were not having you and killed the website. 
And now the problem is because every hoster in the world uses something on AWS, uh, basically they can't host it. And so they're gone. They're just gone. They're just off the internet, which that in itself should worry people who are interested in like, you know, a free internet and a resilient internet against censorship. Um, I mean, they, they'll get back online somewhere, but you know, it's like if you want to run a social network, you basically you need Amazon. It turns out, um, and yes, they just they completely fucking destroyed it, wiped it off the internet. Continuing with Greenwald. The day after a United Apple and Google acted against Parler, Amazon delivered the fatal blow. And this is inter- this is important again, again, again. Remember. I've never been on Parler. I don't know next to nothing about Parler, and I don't care. Just like before, that it wasn't about Trump. This isn't about Parler. So uh, if you're Mike, hello, Mike, um, if you're Mike, uh, just ignore that this is Parler. Just think any other app, any app you like. Just just imagine a scenario where that would happen. My problem is not the app. My problem is what happened to the app and that something like this shouldn't happen to anything. It, it, shouldn't, be, it shouldn't be possible. The day after a United Apple and Google acted against Parler, Amazon delivered the fatal blow. The company founded and run by the world's richest man, Jeff Bezos used virtually identical language as Apple to inform Parler that its web hosting service, AWS, was terminating Parler's ability to have AWS host its site. Quote, because Parler cannot comply with our terms of service and pose a very real risk to public safety, we plan to suspend Parler's account effective Sundays at January 10th, blah, blah. Uh, because Amazon is such a dominant force in web hosting, Parler has thus far not found a hosting service for its platform, which is why it has disappeared not only from app stores and phones, but also from the internet. On Thursday, Parler was the most popular app in the United States. By Monday, three of the four Silicon Valley monopolies united to destroy it. After the internet policing site Sleeping Giants flagged several Parler posts that called for violence, which happened on Twitter as well and on Facebook, uh, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, my favorite representative, um, asked, what are at Apple and at Google Play doing about this? Once Apple responded by removing Parler from its App Store, a move that House Democrats just three months earlier warned was dangerous antitrust behavior, she praised Apple and then demanded to know, good to see this development from at Apple. At Google Play, what are you going to do about apps being used to organize violence on your platform? Now, the interesting thing about this is, yes, there were people, um, there's, a, there's a Gizmodo story with, you know, hacked Parler data. And there were pe- lots of people using Parler were, were at the Capitol. Uh, but as far as I know, uh, none of the people, there's about 70 people have, about, have been um, arrested, had Parler accounts at the point when they were arrested. Um, if you have any other um, data on this, please let me know. Um, on the top of the uh, uh, of the website is a contact uh, link. There's lots of ways to contact me. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking up at the sky as I say this, uh, because the banner is on top of me. Um, uh, private citizen press, obviously. Uh, there is there's ways to contact me. There's a there's an anonymous whistleblower form which you can use. If you want to be anonymous. There's a way to encrypt your message. Um, please let me know. Uh, I'd be interested in interested in actually. Uh, researching this um but you know 
so as far as I can tell, this wasn't being planned on Parler. It, it was actually being uh, promoted on YouTube and Twitter and a lot on Facebook, I think, in like private Facebook groups. But hey, no, gotta gotta evil people, evil Nazi people, gotta kick them off the internet. That's that's the important thing here. Um, I think. Greenwald sums this up nicely at the end of his article when he says, and we should, I should actually have some reverb on this, <laughs> but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to spare you that. Um, so Greenwald, Greenwald says, no authority, no authoritarians believe they are authoritarians. No matter how repressive are the measures they support, censorship, monopoly power, no fly lists for American citizens without due process, they tell themselves that those they are silencing and attacking are so evil, are terrorists, that anything done against them is noble and benevolent, not despotic and repressive. That is how American liberals currently think. I don't think all liberals think like that, but, you know, people like uh, AOC, I think, uh, currently think as they fortify the control of Silicon Valley monopolies over our political lives, exemplified by the overnight destruction of a new and popular competitor. So, you know, that that's 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 the gist of it. Yeah, and I, I kind of completely um, agree with this. Um, and it's it's not about who this happened to it's about the power these companies have to do this unchecked and they're not just companies this is not just any private company these these are running these are these are the people that that have the so 100 years ago you made public opinion and you, f you basically um, manipulate or no, manipulate is a hard word, but you directed you, you can direct politics in a way where you can't really tell people what to think, not openly. But if you can decide what they actually see, and if you can, if if you can present the valid opinions that are to be had you can steer the whole political discourse of a country or the world. There's maybe there's, there's an episode in somewhere. Um, but the way you used to do this 100 years ago was the printing press. It was a huge thing that people... It sound like Trump now. It was a huge thing. It was amazing. It was great. And it was, it was, it was good. Uh, and mine's the biggest. <laughs> You know, you had the printing press. It was really expensive. Only big publishing companies could have one. And um, that's what made public opinion. And Twitter, especially Twitter, but to some degree other social networks. And, you know, to some degrees, people uh, in the in the chat on Twitch are mentioning uh, messengers. Uh, there is a basic, I have a, on the docket, I have an episode coming up probably I'll, I'll have to do i don't want to but it's it's i think people are interested in it in the in the whatsapp thing uh that change in the terms of service and facebook and everything um but you know those are the pin printing presses of the modern day twitter is where where the opinions most people have get you know get presented to the public and that's one one reason why um, iphone i've been a huge 
proponent of social networks, of microblogging. Uh, before I was on Twitter, I was on Jaiku. I met a lot of friends there. That's how I started my first podcast. Um, my whole career. I mean, my I got my job as a professional journalist because I replied to a job advertisement on Twitter. Um, I love these platforms. I love the ability to talk to people all over the world. Um, but increasingly, I don't see them as a force of good anymore. And, you know, people, I'm, I'm a bit late with this. People said this like years ago and they were like, but, the, you know, there were, there were people in my timeline um, who I was reading a lot who left Twitter But their reason for it was that the discourse was so bad and that people were so ugly and, and, and everything was ugly and people, people, um, there was so much, uh, hate going on. And I was said, I don't, I don't see that. I, I don't see more hate or more opinions than I see in, in real life. They come out in a different way because people feel freer and they have a bigger audience and it's just a different medium. Um, but I, 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 I always thought, or I still think that's just human beings. Um, but what, what is considering me to actually, I don't really leave, but you know, I'm, I'm posting a lot less, uh, on Twitter and other social networks these days, even on the Fediverse. I'm going to do an episode in the future about the Fediverse and how that is not a solution to this. Um, is I am going completely like everything I want to do, I want to do on, 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 on platforms I control on my personal website that I like, if the hoster goes, he, he's canceled. We don't like his opinion that I can move, um, on this podcast, which as long as I have my website and as long as I have my RSS feed, which is on private citizen or press, you can listen to that. I can change the hoster. I can move the files around. I'm not beholden to advertisers. Um, That is hugely important to me. Um, and it's I, I worry. I, I worry about 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 the future we headed to. And I don't worry about this because of um what politicians are doing. Uh, because politicians will always do these things and companies will always grab power and they're always in a battle for the hearts. They're in the battle for money, but that's also a battle for the hearts of the mind and the minds of the people in the country. Um, that's what branding is, basically. Um, you know, PR. Um, but that, that doesn't, that doesn't worry me. What worries me is people's reaction to it and this whole, oh, it's just Trump. You know, Trump, Trump's stupid anyway. He's, it's good that he's off Twitter. And the short-sightedness with that. Um, the short-sightedness with like piling onto people in, um, in like these cancel culture mobs where you're just like, oh, he did something to women, which is, yes, that is horrible. But like the, the point is not the, the point that you, what you have to think about is we have institutions. We have the rule of law. In German, we call it the Rechtsstaat, you know, law and order. Um, if we lose that, we lose our democracy. And we will lose that if people take that into their own hands and if they have lynch mobs. And, you know, they're not actual lynch mobs where you go and kill people. Um, they're lynch mobs where you destroy their careers and you destroy their lives. And um, 
and you know th these are these are deeply uh, conflicting things to me as well um just the just the recent example to me um was Cass Anvar so i people um who know me and who follow me on social media <laughs> social media um know that I love The Expanse. I've loved The Expanse for a long time. And on the TV show, uh, the character of Alex, which is a very uh, integral character to the show, is, called by a, is played by an um, actor called Cass Anvar. Um, and, you know, whether I like him or not, he's very integral to the show. And he... In the summer, I actually missed this because I don't know what was going on. I was I was busy. I just realized this like months later. Um, so he was uh, me too, as we say, right? He was. There were people on Twitter. Women were posting accusations about him um, that he had done certain things, forced them to have sex with with him. That some of the people were, you know, some of the women were underage. Very very serious allegations. And at the time this happened, he. He completely dropped dropped off Twitter. He was one of the most active um, actors on the show, and the show the, the actors engaged with fans a lot. He engaged with fans a lot, which was part of the problem. So the allegations is kind of like that. He just like DM'd girls. Um, I mean, lots of this happened when he wasn't on the Expanse. When he was he, uh, he's the voice actor was a voice actor on Assassin's Creed, and he used to do this at nerd conventions. Apparently, like you know, kind of like use the fact that he was famous and you know women were swoon swooning over him to like basically get them to have sex with him um in like ways that they didn't want um uh, which is obviously horrible um and deplorable and so i'm and i'm i did i wrote a story about the expanse and i had to kind of research this and i'm so i'm not one of these journalists who goes yeah yeah he, that he was just uh you know, uh, people said this about him on Twitter. I mean, I, I went and, and and looked and made, you know, got an opinion for myself if I think these are credible because I don't want to be the build and if not for fear of getting sued or not. I don't have any money anyway. I'm a freelance journalist. But um, just because I take my work seriously, right? I don't want to ruin somebody's life. Not that my article would, but, you know, that's the standard you have to adhere um, without at least you know looking into what happened and you know i looked into this stuff and and dug into it for a day and it wasn't pretty and basically they're all accusations but these accusations are so many from so many people on so many platforms and corroborated by people that exist uh that uh i know i've engaged on twitter because i i'm a fan of the expanse for years um that i'm i'm convinced this happened uh, also the fact that he never he never really denied it um there was the the expanse team launched an investigation and he was um he said he's going to comply with the investigations and uh and you know help out and that was the last thing he ever said he had obviously got pulled off the show um and now you don't know what's going to happen for the next episode that's that's, that's um that hurts your your heart as a fan but it's it's so much less important than you know if these allegations are true. Whatever happened to all these women, this is even just much worse. But the thing is, there is no like. Why is this? Why is the production company engaged in this? Why is there a, like an, an independent investigation? Like this, 
these are criminal matters. They should be investigated by police and dealt with in the courts. And if they can't be, because our laws don't allow that, because there's no evidence or these people can't, can't possibly have evidence, whatever. You know, there's lots of issues with rape. And, you know, if you don't document that immediately, then you don't have any proof later. And, it's, and you know, there's, I can see that from both sides. I understand why women don't do that, but I also understand that men later, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to prove you're innocent. Uh, it's, it's, it's a huge quagmire. I don't want to get into that. But like, if that's a problem, we need laws. We don't need we don't need cancel culture. We don't need fucking lynch mobs. We don't need people taking this into their own hands and then being applauded by politicians for doing that. No, we need the state. This is what the state's actual responsibility is. I'm I'm somebody who says there's a lot of the state takes on a lot of responsibilities that it should. Like you know, I've criticized state countries and governments for pulling a lot of uh, responsibility towards them in this whole pandemic and, you know, taking responsibility for people's health. We're talking like things that are illegal. The state needs to give tools, give people tools to have the police investigate this shit. Um, this, the state needs to do this. And I kind of feel like the same, this is kind of like in the same league. It's obviously a bit more serious. I, I feel, you know, people getting, getting maybe raped and stuff is a bit more serious than um, somebody shitting on the floor of the Capitol, even if that, you know, is a symbol of democracy, whatever. But democracy is still going on. You know, somebody who was raped, uh, their life's never going to be the same again. So, but it's it's the same thing. It's like it's companies, it's people taking, um, taking these things in in their own hands where they where they shouldn't. Um, I don't like that. I don't like that. I want that. I want that changed. Anyway, if you if this wasn't enough for you, well, this is like one and a half hours on this bullshit. Um, if you want to read some more long form stuff, I wrote about these things uh, about the, the riots and, and Twitter and also on SciHub. Uh, on my Substack, shameless plug, not not that I make any money of that, uh, fabs.substack.com. Links are in the show notes. And uh, if you're interested in these topics, and by all means, please send me uh, comments. There's a lot of stuff going on in Twitch chat, which um, I'm, you know, because I'm recording this live and you're listening to this on a podcast, probably I'm not going to, you know, go in depth on that, but I'm, 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 I'm having an eye on that. And please, I encourage everybody to just, Go to the contact link on uh, privatecitizen.press and just just send me some thoughts uh, in the email that you have. Except Mike, Mike is not allowed to do that because Mike and me are going to talk about this next week, which is going to be going to be a good show. I feel um, a good show. And uh, with that, I think, I think, I think it's time uh, to talk about the feedback. I was playing for time there because I couldn't find the uh, button on my, <laughs> as you probably noticed, on my uh, on my new setup. Um, <laughs> Mike's like, I can't, I can't write anything in chat right now. I have to save it for the show. Hashtag save it for the show. Uh, just uh, not much feedback. Um, I mean, I I I took a break for the holidays and everybody else did. So um, 
Actually, there was some kind of interesting stuff going on in the Discord. We had some really nice discussions there, as we have gen generally. So if you're interested in that, um, I think it's on the contact page as well. There's a link to the Discord. Let me see. Is there... Um, there is. There's a link to the Discord. Uh, you can also go to... Oh, except it's it's broke. I just realized. Okay, I'm going to fix that. Um, you can also go to fab.industry slash Discord. You'll, you'll, it'll explain what Discord is if you don't know. And I've, I've jiggered the Discord servers a bit around. I had one for Fab Industries. Um, that was the, is, is the old Six Gun, uh, which Six Gun, obviously, my old podcast uh, production uh label which is currently defunct because i'm doing these shows on my own uh but i converted that and that's that was the fab industry server and i had one i had a discord server for patrons that they have exclusive access to and i've merged these two well basically i've changed over to the fab industries one so please join that everybody can join that it's just the patrons get special channels and they get you know you can see that they're supporting the show stuff like that um but there's very interesting discussion going on and a lot of feedback there yeah, i didn't like copy and paste stuff out of there you can you can it's 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 um it's better experienced if you're there yourself but i had some nice feedback from bennett piata which i wanted to read out um, as i always say i do appreciate everybody who subscribed to my um patreon uh, patreon that is kind of like the default way to support the show and it, it helps me a little bit it keeps this going and it makes it worth my while um which is uh which is very uh very nice of people to do that and very important and um, i'm i'm very thankful to all of these people and bennett wrote to me um he said I have successfully defended my master's thesis and work as a software developer now so I fulfilled my promise and joined your Patreon. I think he said as a student, I can remember this, he, he said like, um, as long as he's a student, um, he didn't he didn't want to do that um, because obvious reasons, if you're a student, you don't have money and then you have a job and you actually, um, you know, get money, which I understand. I had never uh, thought that he would actually, like, I, well, I, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying I thought he, he uh, he wouldn't do it, but I was like, I, I wasn't counting on it, right? It would have been completely okay if he hadn't done it. But he promised it and he did. So this is great. So he's a patron. Uh, he's a patron now, a, a Patreon supporter, which is awesome. Or a producer of the show, if you like. Um, I like listening to you and think what you do is important. Do not take this as, do not take this as support for the private citizen. Oh, okay. <gasps> but for anything you... For anything you apply your approach to. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I, I started listening halfway through LO, the Linux Outlaws, uh, my old podcast that uh, a lot of people was uh, dear to many people. And I'll I'll won't withdraw my support just because you stop a specific podcast. Well, that that's nice. Enjoy your well deserved holidays and Merry Christmas. This was obviously before Christmas. Um, I um, thank you. I appreciate that a lot. And I must say, this was one thing that just occurred to me today. I look every every week, I look to my patron list and, you know, because I have to extract like the current patron supporters uh, to um, to credit on the show because, as you know, I like to credit people. And um, 
So I need to, you know, check that. And and I was doing that earlier and I was thinking, wow, this is cool. I was looking through the list and it's like all these people have been subscribed for a very long time now. And this podcast has been around for a year and there are several people who've, who've stuck around and a lot of people who, I mean, most of the people just, they join and they just stick around, which I think is amazing. And I just wanted to once again say thanks to all of you and uh, tell you how much I appreciate that. Um yeah, and that's it uh, for the feedback for now. Um, obviously, uh, if you have more, contact me. There's also a link in the feedback section, but also in the in the header of the website. And with this, it's almost time to end the show. But before we do that, I need to uh, need to do a little bit of advertising to the country a podcaster. And uh, then thank everybody. So let's get the advertising out of this. Not really advertising, but you know, I've been, I talked about Patreon. Uh, Patreon is like this website you can sign up to, and it's like a monthly subscription. And the neat thing about it is that I don't have to do all of this on my own. Um, and hopefully, you won't just sign up to just support me. There's lots of people who have Patreon pages now, lots of artists, musicians. Um, and so you can just like allocate a certain amount uh, for yourself that you want you want to support people and then you can support you know several several of their accounts and you don't have to sign up to every you know everybody has their own thing and you have to all give everybody the, your your payment data so this is kind of cool that pay, patreon takes care of that that's what it makes it appealing to me uh, and also uh, it's a it's a subscription so it's like it's a I have some kind of like a, you know, I'm a freelancer now. I have to do my own bookkeeping and I have to see like, what can I do? What can I afford? What can I afford to spend time on? And that's like kind of the thing. It's like, okay, that's like, uh, you know, this this amount of money each month. And I can say, well, that, that you know, that justifies me spending a few hours a month on this podcast. Uh, well, it's more than a few hours, but you know, it's, 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 it's awesome. And I do that. Well, if you don't want to use uh, Patreon, you can use PayPal. Uh, producers at fab.industries is the um, PayPal address. If you just want to do a one, one time payment, or you can do, I mean, you can recur do recurrent payments with PayPal if you want, if you just don't want to use Patreon because some people don't like them, which is fine by me. Um, but everything is entirely optional. Of course, you get this podcast for free. Um, I've specified, uh, you know, I put a contact page on the side because that was just easier and that has a copyright thing. So I've specified it's under a creative commons license as well. It kind of has to be, it's a podcast. <laughs> can't, you know, can't really do that under like traditional copyright because you wouldn't be allowed to copy it kind of. But yeah, I don't know with streaming, who knows these things. But you know, now it's specified, and um, and this I do this on the value for value model, which is something the No Agenda podcast came up with, uh, Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak, and which basically means, you know, I do this for free. You can get it for free, um, and if you if you think it's worth something, think about what that is, and then send that to me. And if not, it's okay. And this this helps us from not having advertisers and me not being beholden to anybody. Because let's be honest, even if I was employed to do this, it would never happen. No, not with these opinions and not with this whole cancel culture thing going on these days. Um, so, yes. Uh, and with that, we need to thank everybody who's been supporting me. And this is a very important and uh, the last part of the show.
and it's so important that it has its own jingle. Yes, so uh, I, I, I changed this around a bit. I now have a specific uh, section for my Twitch subscribers, uh, which I wanted to list uh, separately. So uh, that's that's new. Uh, but uh, first of all, uh, let's thank Raul Kabazali, uh, who wrote the amazing theme tune to this podcast. And I have to thank ByteMark, who uh, they provide, uh, speaking of Linux Outlaws, uh, they provide the servers ever since Linux Outlaws days where I have my audio files. So they make this possible. Otherwise, I would be hemorrhaging money and at some point I had to stop this operation. So thanks to ByteMark at bytemark.co.uk. Uh, they're a great cloud host- hoster um, in the UK. And well, <laughs> the co.uk kind of gives it away, doesn't it? Um, and then I'd like to thank, as I said before, the, the most important people, the people who are subscribed to my Patreon, who are keeping the lights on, who are bringing you this show, and, and the people who... Uh, Donated via PayPal. So uh, these people are Georges Walther, Niall Donegan, Michael Mullen Jensen, will be on the show next week, I think, Jonathan M. Hathi, Butterbeans, Dave, Steve Hose, Mark Holland, Shelby Kruver, Vlad, Jackie Plage, 1i11g, Philip Klostermann, Kai Sears, Jaroslav Lichtblau, IKN, Fadi Mansour, Dirk Didi, Joe Poser, Matt Jelliman, David Potter, Mika, Martin, Dave Amrish, Michael Small, SJ, Ricky M, Drive Zero, the amazingly named Larry Glock. Hey, Larry, can I get a freebie? I love Glocks. <laughs> Bennett Piata, who we had that nice email from. Mr. Amish, Jonathan Edwards, Barry Williams, Avis, Neil, and Captain Egghead. <laughs> and apparently Green Turtle 69 in Twitch is on the list. But uh, we won't say who it is. Speaking of Twitch, I stream these things regularly. Um, I wish he says uh, regularly. Um, Mike, Mike's having fun with emojis as well. Um, I stream these regularly on Twitch. Uh, so I record these live and, and stream it on Twitch. And you can subscribe to the Twitch channel, which if you're on Twitch, uh, and if you have Amazon Prime, you also have, uh, what's it called? It used to be... Twitch, I think it's called Amazon Gaming now. Anyway, you have a free, one free subscription that you don't pay for, but that you can give a channel. And that actually, uh, you can do that. And that gives me money. Um, so I would like to now mention all my Twitch subscribers, which, Mike, get ready with the emojis. You can do it again. Mike the Dane, Indie GameYaks, Andy Pants with a four, and Jason Word with a three. That's the lead speak. And I have to do some live a- editing because on my show notes it says Mike the Dan. The Dan. The Dan. But it's actually Mike the Dane. Because Mike's, well, he's in Ireland. But originally from Denmark. Um, and that's it. That's it for me today. Uh, the first show of the New Year's in the back. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I'm happy to be he- back here. I uh, thank you all for listening. I think this was great. And I'll see you again next week. Maybe there'll be, I mean, I've got some, I've got so many topics. If I got time, which that's currently the problem because I'm working a lot. But, you know, there might be a special episode at some point. I'm not promising. I'm, I'm probably, when everything goes, if everything goes according to plan, we'll see you next uh, week. That inauguration day. 
Uh, I'm going to look this up now because if Mike's wrong, we're going to be completely... Uh, that's Wednesday. Yeah, that's next week. Wednesday. Yeah, I'll see you on Wednesday, the 20th of January. The inauguration of Joe Biden. Going to have a lot of fun. So now, new thing here. I'm going to play us out with some music, which I've licensed. So don't try to sue me. I've got a license for this. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I picked a song from Bo the Drifter. It's called Tennessee Railroad Blues. I know I have to. I have listeners from Tennessee um, and, and even more listeners from the South. <laughs> Not the South in England, but, you know, the South in the U.S. Uh, this goes out to all of you. See you next week. Mr. Can we leave this seat? I'll shovel coal, Lord, to pay my fare. Gotta get this train down to the station. My little girl waiting for me. Well, the night is dark, and Lord, it's cloudy. I've been traveling the lonesome true love waiting at a seat won't that love drink her back Carry me.